Hi, I'm Mike Dilk and you're listening to the Relax Back UK show. The show that explores all kinds of health topics relevant to you, your family and your friends. Each week I talk to expert guests from a range of backgrounds to inform and entertain you. So please do join the Relax Back UK family and stay tuned. Hi and thank you for joining me on the Relax Back UK show this week. The topic is the state of everyone's teeth, particularly teeth in the UK. My guests are dentist Dr. Bilhal Chowdhury and, uh, and a dental patient Chris Gooby. We look at some of the reasons that it can be hard to get an appointment to see an NHS dentist and the role that private dentists have. Um, but first, some thoughts of mine and info that I've gleaned from literature and around uh, via uh, some research in the area. Um, I am very keen on the Witch magazine. I think I've mentioned it before on the show. And this month they have an article entitled Disappearing Dentists. And let me just read a little bit uh, from it for you. In September 2023, was, we surveyed 7,422 witch members about their dental experiences in the past three years and found the majority, 57%, paid for their most recent appointments as a private patient, missing out on the more affordable NHS prices. Most were happy with the quality of treatment, but it's clear that many felt they had no choice except going private. Nearly four in ten said they had no NHS dentists in their area or were unable to register with an NHS dentist. It seems in many cases NHS dentists are vanishing. Several members told us they were registered with an NHS dental clinic for years only for that clinic to go private and stop providing NHS treatment. Now, they do say that generally patients were happy with their dentist and they've been sort of sticking with their dentist for years and that's my experience as well you know if you find a dentist you go the rest of your family goes and you and you stick with them uh, if you've got one in the first place but which go on to say NHS appointments for new patients are hard to find the NHS's annual GP patient survey for 2023 found that only a third of people successfully booked an NHS appointment at a dentist they hadn't been to before. Existing patients had around an 8 in 10 success rate. So it does seem that it's hard to get an NHS uh, dental appointment. And Dr. Bihal Chowdhury has some thoughts on this. From COVID, there's been quite a backlog of patients that weren't able to be seen. Uh, that's, that, that now has a, a bit of a spiralling effect where it's really hard to get rid of that backlog or reduce that backlog if you don't have more dentists and more, more practices taking on patients, which ultimately will happen if you have the funding for it. So there is a backlog, a quite a big backlog in work that needs, needs doing. This means that by the time patients, this is NHS patients we're talking about, get to see a dentist, work needs to be done that is a bit more serious than it, than it could have been. It's more than prevention. Now, Dr. Chowdhury says that the NHS is set up best for preventative work, which kind of makes sense. Uh, prevention is better than cure, after all. And due to the way that NHS dentists are funded, it's harder for them to do serious uh, repair work. The whole system works much better for prevention. But if there's a backlog, this prevention work hasn't happened. So serious repair work really is often when private dentists uh, step in. 
Whatever the reason, there really is a serious problem of getting to see an NHS dentist. And it has reached the notice of some of our politicians. Uh, in Prime Minister's question time in January, one MP, uh, the MP for Ipswich, uh, Tom Hunt, he's got a potential solution. Access to NHS dentistry is a key issue in Ipswich and Suffolk. Locally, actually, we've done something about it. The University of Suffolk and the local NHS deserve great credit for establishing a new dental centre which is going to carry 18,000 hours a year of NHS dental appointments. However, a source of great frustration for myself and a number of constituents is that many people who train to be a dentist at university for five years and have their training heavily subsidised can immediately go private or actually go abroad without giving anything back to the NHS. This seems wrong to me. Would the Prime Minister support with you of many of my constituents for, for, say, five years, they work in the NHS, they give something back, and this make a huge contribution to this problem? Prime Minister, my uh, my honourable friend is a long-standing campaigner for better dental access in his constituency, and I congratulate him on the new dental centre that's opening, which I know he worked very hard to deliver. And I agree with him. It's right and fair that we see better value for the significant investment that the taxpayer makes in the education and training of the dental workforce. That's why, as our workforce plan outlined, we are exploring whether a tie-in would ensure that dentists spend a better proportion of their time in the NHS and will be launching a consultation on this policy later this year. Now, that was a question asked by him in Prime Minister's question time. Now, could this help? I, I don't know. If funding is the issue and the amount of money that dentists get from the NHS to do the kind of more sophisticated work that needs to be done, um, and the NHS dentists are saying that they can't do anything but just basic preventative type work on the amount of money they get uh, from the NHS, I'm not sure it's really going to help. Now, cost obviously is always going to be an issue, uh, both for the government and the individual patient. And on that note, I want to go back to uh, the Witch magazine article where they talk about uh, prices. They say, even in England, where NHS fees are the most expensive, they're usually much cheaper than private fees, sometimes by more than a £1,000. They then go on to say, if you can't get a space at an NHS dentist, it's worth shopping around to find the best care at the best price and ask other locals as independent dentists scored highest in our survey. While it's obviously more practical to have help at hand nearby in case of urgent dental problems, you can look beyond your local area if options are limited or to save money, as fees differ around the country. When we checked in November 2023, Root canal treatment at Portman in Ilchester, Devon started at £475. At its Middlesbrough branch, it was £225. So there is a large variation in prices. Also, they give a couple, they've got a little table of various uh, different things that you can have done at the dentist. And they have prices for the NHS and also for private. And let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, they have one example of tooth extraction, which is in NHS treatment band two. And so that will cost you £70, 70p on the NHS. And if you go private, obviously there's a range here that could be from 120 to £280. So a big difference there. Let's look at another one. Crayons. So this is NHS treatment band three. So on, on the NHS, 
the that's going to cost you 306 360 306 pounds 80p and privately 450 to 950 pounds so you know there really can be a massive difference and private dentists obviously are a lot more expensive in the interview that you will hear shortly I suggested that dentists are expensive that private dentists are expensive and I'm, I'm really not anti-private dentists at all and you know healthy competition but only really within a framework where it's possible possible to get an NHS appointment if you need or want one and on that note I've got to have a shout out for my dentist uh, the Alexander House dentist in St Albans Hertfordshire I go there the rest of my family go there we get treatment on the NHS and it is uh, first class so a big shout out to them another thought just the, the, the last thought before we get on with the interview. Um, maybe a crazy thought of mine, but who knows. COVID has provided kind of an impetus for online doctor appointments. When you ring your local GP for an appointment, often they'll call you back and it will be a, a telephone appointment. And I know that private GPs will do uh, appointments on Zoom and all the rest of it. So there's lots of stuff going on in that area and I wondered if such a thing was possible for dentistry uh, and if so how it might work I did a little bit of googling and I found something for uh, orthodontics and that's kind of just a straightening of tooth where once they've set you up with with a brace to get things working they need to check it quite frequently to make sure that your teeth are moving in the right direction and they they got this system or some of them do where they can use your phone to get a 3d image to see if uh, all the teeth are moving in the right direction and uh, and straightening up uh, i didn't actually see any dental checks online uh, if anybody knows different or has any thoughts on that do let me know i would be genuinely interested to find out the best way to do that i think is my mobile uh, that's mike at relaxbackuk.com sorry my email i said mobile i didn't mean that <laughs> get in touch with my email mike at relaxbackuk.com so this whole sub subject this whole topic it, it is important so please do stick around for my talk with dentist dr bill bilal chowdhury and patient chris gooby So as already mentioned, there are private dentists and there are NHS dentists. And there are some dentists actually that do a bit of uh, a bit of both. My guests today are dentist Dr. Bilal Chowdhury and also patient Chris Gooby. I started by asking Dr. Chowdhury if he is a private dentist. Yes, that's right. Um, where I work at Evo Dental, the treatments that we provide are are uh, provided on a private basis, uh, yeah. but we see lots so, of patients. Yeah. So Sorry. My, my first thought, actually, and just doing a bit of Googling around, is private dentists, you're just having a laugh, aren't you? That's why no one's going to the dentist, because no one can afford it. Uh, no, quite the opposite, I'd say. Um, with, with the NHS, the, the, the NHS was built on the, the motto of prevention is better than cure, which means that the system is set up to see patients to try and prevent problems from occurring and progressing. Um, the issue arises when when patients can't get into an NHS dentist, and by virtue of that, their their, their problems maybe progress to a point where they lose teeth, uh, and then they need more advanced 
treatment to try and restore them back to to their original function and their sort of their smile. Um, even even NHS dentists find it hard to provide those services on the NHS given the current pressures, uh, and then they have to lean on the private system or independent dentists, like we call it, to try and try and have those patients managed effectively. Um, okay. so, so there's definitely a place for us, uh, and and what the feedback we get from our patients is really good. Um, you know, some some of our patients at Eva Dental have have suffered for quite a long time, haven't been able to see their their NHS dentist for quite a, quite a while, uh, and now they find themselves in a state where you know they need more advanced work done completed. Um, and and unfortunately, in the in the UK, the current system isn't set up to do that on in the public sector, um, so the private sector has to take some of that burden. Sure. But so essentially what I'm getting at, I was, I was all I was doing was just looking at the difference in prices between NHS and, and, and private. And, it, the, and the private costs change around the UK, depending where you are. But yeah, it seems like the average for a checkup in London is £70 for private. And on the NHS, it, it's £23. I mean, that's a pretty massive difference, especially if, you know, People haven't got a lot of cash to spare at the minute, have they? And then if they need a filling, uh, a London price for a white filling is £140. And in the NHS, I found like 70 So, you know, there's, there's a big difference there, isn't there? That's why people aren't getting the work done. Look, uh, I, I mean, it, it. we know that NHS dentistry um, is always going to be priced below what private dentists charge. Um, but what, what I will say is that for patients that don't go to see the dentist because they can't get into the uh, to, to see their NHS dentist, the issues that arise from that long term end up requiring a much larger investment. So if you look sort of five, 10 years down the line, they may they may have to pay a little bit more or sometimes substantially more to, to be seen in the independent sector. But ultimately, by doing so, they're preventing having to invest a large sum of money later down the line, five, 10 years down the line, um, similar to the treatments that we provide at Evo. Uh, where they have to they have to invest to try and get their their function back. Um, so, yes, there's definitely a price discrepancy between the NHS and the private sector. Does that mean that um, you know private dentists are you know as you call it having a laugh? I, I would disagree purely because I think their ultimate aim is to try and see patients and get them to a point where the patients are healthy. Um, and that unfortunately, the independent sector does come with a cost because it's not subsidized by the public sector. Yeah. Um, I think the NHS being so heavily subsidized means that we're able to complete treatments, um, you know, to a, a much, much lower cost to the practice. And when that's subsidized- I'm actually not against uh, kind of um, medicines in, in, in general, not totally against medicines in general yeah. and dentistry being provided in a competitive environment. I'm just trying to, trying to poke you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. But, but let, let, let's talk about the NHS, because um, I think probably, well, actually, I don't know. You can answer. Do the bulk of people get their dental work done on the NHS in the UK? Most people I know do, I think. I do. Well, research that was commissioned by Evo Dental recently showed that, you know, more than a third of the patients in the UK are now not being seen every every as they should be every six months um i mean a third of the patients that we spoke to hadn't been seen by their nhs nhs dentist for for a period of two years or more um wow. so i think in the past yes most patients were being seen on the nhs i think the recent pressures that the nhs is under uh, the lack of appointment availability has now meant that i think that's dramatically decreasing a lot of patients are now having to go private and having to see independent providers to, to just be seen and what so what what's what's behind the the problem so 
why can't people find um, a dentist on, on the NHS? I think it's a multitude of reasons, but the reasons that, that we've come up with are primarily based around, first of all, funding. So uh, the funding for NHS dentistry has sort of more or less stagnated over the last five years. Uh, a lack of availability of appointments is also due to the pressures that have now resulted from COVID. There's been quite a backlog of patients that weren't able to be seen. Uh, that's, that, that now has a, a bit of a spiraling effect where it's really hard to get rid of that backlog or reduce that backlog if you don't have more dentists and more, more practices taking on patients, which ultimately will happen if you have the funding for it. So those two together cause a bit of a situation where patients aren't being seen and the waiting lists aren't really coming down either. Um, and then thirdly, I think a lot of dentists find that they're not able to provide the work uh, that, that they like to on the NHS because of the pressures of the NHS. And then some of the dentists then move towards the independent sector, which actually further reduces the number of NHS dentists practicing in the NHS. Um, so those three combinations in a way, are a recipe for for disaster long term. I think that's how, why we're going to see a, a large decline in in the population's oral health. Looking at it another way, uh, and this has been in the news a bit recently. Is it is it essentially just our own fault? Because you know we're not looking after our teeth properly. Perhaps it, this would be a, a this question is to you both, but may, maybe I can bring in bringing uh, Chris as well here. Well, my situation. Well, there's a story. Um, the last time I went to see a dentist was, I think, in 1968. I was 14. It was the school dentist. And it was a truly traumatic experience for me that meant I never, ever wanted to see a dentist again. That's so you were put off dentist. at an early age. Pardon? You were put off at an early age. Uh, uh, put off is putting it mildly. I was traumatised. <laughs> okay. But... In the meantime, did you brush your teeth and sort of look yes. after them properly? I think, in, in as the average as the average sort of person does, I think uh, a, a professional like Bill Al might not consider I did, but <laughs> yes, I brushed my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Bill Al, do we brush our teeth as much as we should do in general? Is you know how how much of this uh, is is down to us for you know really not doing a job and brushing our teeth for thirty seconds a quadrant twice a day and all that. <laughs> What, what I normally say to patients is it's always going to be a team effort. So the patients have got uh, some things that they can do at home. Like you've suggested, they can be brushing their teeth twice a day uh, for a minimum of two minutes, flossing in between their teeth. But ultimately, getting in to see a hygienist or a dentist is equally as important at least twice a year because there are things that you won't be able to see. Um, e even, even for dental professionals, there are things that being a dentist myself, I can brush twice a day. I can floss in between my teeth. But if I don't have somebody look inside my mouth and check all of my teeth for me, there will be things that go missed. So the responsibility can't be with the patient, just with the patient. It's a bit more of a team effort. It has to be, you know, the patients have got things that they can do at home to try and try and help their oral health. But ultimately, they need to also be seen by a dental professional to make sure there's nothing untoward happening inside the mouth, which otherwise they won't know unless somebody has a look inside. Yeah. So go for your checkups, go to the hygienist. Um, that's can't be stressed enough, can it? Really, I'm, no. I'm thinking it. All right. No, I'd agree. Um, there's been stuff in the news recently about teaching children to brush their teeth at school. I mean, it sounds like Chris had uh, some help with his uh, teeth when he was at school, and if you know, he, he saw the dentist at school. Um, do, do kids really need to be taught to brush their teeth at, at school, or are you, have you noticed sort of toothbrushing is is 
children aren't doing as well as they should be? I think it's a fantastic idea. And I know that there's been some conversations in the media about whether or not this will put additional pressures on the, you know, on the public sector in terms of schools. Um, but schools also have a responsibility to to children to talk about diet, sugar intake, uh, and things like that. So I also feel like whilst they're doing that, uh, talking about toothbrushing will ultimately benefit the children long term. And it, it wasn't uncommon for NHS dentists to send teams out to to local schools in the past. So teams would go out to a local school that would normally comprise of a hygienist uh, and a dentist and possibly some some additional uh, staff members as well. And they used to teach children how to brush their teeth and how to look after their oral health. Now, with additional pressures on the NHS that we've just discussed, I think it's going to become even more difficult for these teams to go out into schools and do that if they're having to see patients in the practice rather than spending an afternoon or a morning in a school. So rather than that stopping i think it would be beneficial for the children if if the school started to take a little bit more responsibility from that front uh, and maybe maybe worked in collaboration with their local practices so they could have some training possibly come in and see what we normally say uh, and, and demonstrate that to the children over over a period of time it could be part of their curriculum um, just like they discussed diet and and food intake and which foods to avoid and um you know avoiding sweets you could at the same time you could discuss oral health and, and how to how to brush your teeth effectively yeah and it, it certainly can't do any harm can it yeah can i just say something there mike please do uh, my wife as an ex-teacher would say where does the responsibility for bringing these kids up end with the schools and start with the parents that's what my wife would say i, I think it's a fair point actually um although you know it, it is true i think this what this used to be done you know dentists did used to go to schools that sort of thing but happens less less now um it's easy to lump everything onto the teachers isn't it no question so my wife says mm. i think maybe we, that might be a show for another day let's let's park that <laughs> particular <laughs> thought <laughs> um, i've got a question which is somewhat unrelated to what we've been talking about so far um and might be more for bilal is bad teeth genetic because my my head is absolutely full of fillings my, my my wife has one filling, I think, and I'm kind of hoping that our children will have taken on my wife's teeth. But, you know, is it is it genetic? There's definitely an element of uh, dental disease that that can be genetic. And we find that 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 runs through families and, you know, family members will come in with similar problems. Often it's related to gum disease. Uh, and, and the other half of, of it is uh, environment. So we find that certain families will will have, because they're in the same environment, they'll have the same uh, habits when it comes to eating, uh, snacking, uh, their sugar intake, and ultimately that will also affect their teeth in terms of dental decay. So yeah. yes, the answer is it is genetic, more so for gum disease, but the environment that they're in will also affect whether or not they get, they get dental decay. Um, right. so okay. There's a definite link there. We do find that quite often in our patients. That's interesting. Now one thought I had, so okay, like I, I'm 57, and when I was a kid, it felt like every time I went to the dentist, I had a filling. And I, even as a child, I was thinking, is this really necessary? And mm -hmm. it was different times. I kind of had a feeling even then as a kid, this guy's getting paid on peace rate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> are you, are well, you nodding in agreement or are nod nodding thinking, what is he talking about now? <laughs> no, I think um, with, with the advent of, of more technology that's available now, sort of, you know, 20, 30 years on, um, we find that we're doing fewer fillings now than we were before. That That's for sure. 
Um, and we're also taking out less teeth. So people are retaining their teeth for longer. Uh, and a lot of that is owed to the, t the technology that's at, at our disposal now as dentists that maybe wasn't there 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and that comes down to assessing teeth when you come in for your six monthly checkups. Um, and also things have come a long way now in terms of um, dentistry. So previously we may have we may have drilled and filled, uh, and now we might monitor those things because we've got the technology to be able to monitor dental decay a little bit more effectively. Um, so it, it, it's a dynamic situation. It's developed over the last few decades. But yes, I agree. In the past, we were seeing more fillings being done. Uh, but I think ultimately the technology may not have been there for, for dentists to be able to monitor things properly. Right. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. One thing that I think is worth just uh, talking about if if you have bad teeth or you've had bad teeth in the past haven't looked after them whatever can that lead on to other problems because i'm sure that i've seen articles that talk about the link between dementia and bad teeth whether it's just if you have dementia you're not so good at brushing your teeth i don't know but is, is what else can happen if you if you've got bad teeth can it lead to other things yeah well research shows now that there is a direct link between um gum disease and possible cardiovascular events. So it can actually affect your general well-being as well. Um, so those patients that may suffer with gum disease for a long period of time may have an, an increased risk of having a cardiovascular event. Uh, so that's the first thing. And like you mentioned, there's also more recent evidence that suggests that there's a link with Alzheimer's. Um, so th there's definitely a wider wider link between your general well-being and your oral health, for sure. Uh, and I think that's something that we're still learning a little bit more about. And maybe in, in the decades to come, we'll have a lot more information as to how that's actually caused. Okay. All right. You come back in 10 years and answer the question. <laughs> that we get. All right. No, another quick question. This is to both of you. Maybe we'll start off with Chris. Electric toothbrush or manual toothbrush? Electric. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I find it, I find it I'm much more comfortable using it. I perceive it to do a much better job. Much better. That's okay. my perception. All right, let's go back to the professional. No, I would agree with Chris. I think an electric toothbrush is going to provide you a, a more efficient clean. Um, and the onus is less so on your technique uh, and more so on, on the device. Um, but what, what I normally say is whatever whatever you find most comfortable. So I have patients who, who have really good oral hygiene, um, but they use a manual toothbrush because in their hands that works better. Um, and some patients might have possibly some musculoskeletal conditions, uh, problems with their joints, where they might struggle to use an electric toothbrush, in which case a manual toothbrush is better for them. Um, so I normally say whatever works best for you, there isn't a, a right answer. But if you have a choice between an, an electric or a manual toothbrush, then pick the electric toothbrush. Okay. I have an electric toothbrush. I like it because it's got a 30-second timer. So I know that I'm getting 30 seconds of quadrant. Mm -hmm. My whole family yes. laugh at me because of that. But, you know, that's that's why I like it. Yeah. All right. So kind of last question, because we're running out of time, and this could be the most important one. You know, if people are suffering, like they've got pain or they feel they need to go and see the dentist for, for whatever reason, but they're having trouble actually finding one. Um, what, what can they do? You know, what what advice can you give? So um, firstly, if patients are in pain, so if they've got an, you know, something that they would classify as an emergency, they've got some you know, raging toothache, then they should call the NHS 111 uh, service and they should be able to be directed to an emergency dentist. But if they've got um, if they've got some general oral health needs that need to be looked at, then I would say that trying to find an NHS dentist on NHS choices or alternatively go to an independent provider in the, in the area for a checkup. But if you're a patient who's got sort of multiple missing teeth or loose teeth, possibly you wear dentures uh, that are loose, 
uh, or maybe you've been told by your dentist that you don't have enough bone for implants, um, then, you know, a little bit of a plug, but I would probably recommend that they go on our website at evodental.com uh, because those are the sorts of patients that we see on a daily basis who have lost their teeth over a number of years and and are either or are in dentures and need a solution for fixed teeth. And that's where we can really help. Okay. I'll second what Bilal just said about Evo Dental. It changed <laughs> my life. Yeah, very good. I mean, glad to hear it. I mean, there's no question that having teeth as opposed to having gaps makes a big difference into how you can function and how you feel. Let's face it. Huge. Yeah, most definitely. Good. Huge All right. Enough. Thank you very much to both of you uh, for chatting because this is this is an important issue. People tend to kind of gloss over it or find it kind of amusing, but it, it is very important and it's suddenly become very very serious if actually you're suffering from gaps in your teeth or missing teeth. So uh, thank you to both of you for chatting. Thank you for having okay, us, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much to both my guests this week. And they were Dr. Bilal Chowdhury, dentist and dental patient Chris Gooby. Thank you very much to you for listening and have a healthy week until next week. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.